Hi everyone, I'm Tanya Luna, a psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna, I'm none of that. And this is Talk Psych to Me. A show where I explain research and theories from the field of psychology. And I try to keep up. Let's get into it. Okay, so our first few episodes are going to be focused on emotions. Particularly the ones that are hard to understand. So the things that (laughs) we feel a lot, but we understand very little. Okay. And the first thing that I would like to speak with you about, Brian Luna, is <laughs> our emotional reaction to cuteness. Oh, all right. Okay. So let's just start with a little bit of a kind of exploration here. What are some of the things that you find cute? Bunnies. That's easy. Bunnies, uh, puppies, kittens. Well, okay. Little baby monkeys. Baby monkeys. Baby monkeys. Um, a lot of baby stuff, but not actual babies. I don't also find babies cute. Um, is it that you find some babies cuter than other babies they all look like Churchill so no I don't find they all look the same not all the same um our friends just had a baby and it looks pretty cute um but I'm not like gushy over over babies but like baby animals yeah that's like so this is a taboo question but what do you think makes one baby cuter than another baby (laughs) I think how well you know the parents (laughs) I think it all depends like if they're really good friends wow that baby's really cute if you don't know them so well on the drive home you're like that was an ugly freaking baby that was a Fugly baby. Okay, let's let's step away from the subject because I can see you're a little uncomfortable talking about babies. Let's talk about <laughs> you said uh, little baby monkeys. Mm-hmm. What makes one little baby monkey cuter than let's say an adult monkey? Yeah, I don't know. There's something about like how tiny they are and watching them learn and watching them kind of take in stimuli, whereas like a, an adult monkey or adult human. They kind of already know the game. They kind of already know what's going on. So I don't know. I I look at a little baby monkey and and like uh, looking at a leaf or looking at something that we see every day and like with fascination or or like, you know, picking at its butt or something like that. And and you're like, wow, that's really, I pick at my butt every day and I don't have that kind of fascination. Because you've done it so many times before. So many times. It's it's an old hat for me right now. I'm doing it right now. Um, Thank goodness it's a podcast. (laughs) But but yeah, I don't don't know that what makes... Uh, a baby. I, I don't really. I don't. I don't Let's understand. Let's say you're that. not looking at a baby monkey in action, but you're mm. just looking at a picture of it. Yeah. What is the thing that, for your brain, mm. registers as cuteness? Oh wow, that's a good question. I don't really know. I guess the tininess of it, especially if it's if it's in contrast, like if, a, if an adult monkey's holding it, and I see, I'm like, oh my god, look at that tiny little adult monkey that's going to be an adult. So, you know, like all that registers in my brain. And like, oh my god, how? T- Have you ever seen um uh, uh, a baby panda? They don't even look like pandas. They look like teddy bears. They look like actual toys. So when you see that, it, it really does something to to my uh, to my my insides. And I, you know, I'm a big gruff guy. You know what I mean? I watch action movies. I I'm, I play football. I wrestle. You know, I box. And everything. You're doing all of it. Right I'm doing now. all of it right now. So basically, when I see a baby panda, uh, I don't know. It does something to me. So, it just so let it, me it, describe a picture for you. Mm-hmm. An adult panda holding a baby panda, <laughs> holding a little stuffed toy of a little baby panda is the little stuffed toy smaller than the baby yeah definitely oh my god i don't even know what to do okay all right so let's talk about some of these feelings that you're having because they might sound kind of warm and fluffy and fuzzy and as you you felt the need to remind us you're a big gruff guy so i wonder if you'll feel better about your reaction to cuteness if we think about it as a survival mechanism Mm. So actually, the famous ethologist Conrad Lorenz, back in the 1940s, he Mm. actually proposed that cuteness is adaptive. So if we go back to thinking about those less than attractive babies, the ugly babies, let's just say the ugly babies (laughs) versus the cute babies, essentially the theory goes that if a baby's really cute, Mm. 
then as the caretaker, I want to pay attention to this baby oh. and maybe I'll actually pick feeding this baby over protecting myself. Wait, 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 wait. But they're ugly people now. So if you're saying that only cute babies are taken care of and the ugly babies were cast aside, maybe given like rotten fruit, they probably didn't survive. But there, I know a lot of ugly people right now. Well, we're not talking about ugly people. We're talking about ugly babies. Because there are a lot of adorable babies that don't grow up to be adorable adults. Gotcha. But there seems to be something deeply ingrained in us that sees little baby things Mm -hmm. and registers that as something that we want to take care of and to protect. And so the theory goes that we all, with some diversity of genes, obviously, we've inherited this cute baby gene. Okay. As a means of survival. Okay. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of questions. Basically, one of them is what happens to those babies that weren't so cute growing up? Do they develop a little differently than, say, cute babies? Do they have they have a rougher time? Are they a little gruffer on the exterior? Well, well that's a really I, interesting Because I was an ugly baby. I, I looked I can't like, believe that for No, no, I know. I, I know. Uh, y'all, this is a podcast. You can't see me. I know that's hard to believe. My mom said I had the head of a cucumber. So. Well, I had a full head of hair when I came out, and that's not cute on a baby. Babies have to be kind of bald, and I had like a part in the middle. Um, I, I, I was not, I looked like Gomez Adams, but like all squinched up, like if he was in some kind of reactor that pushed them all together. I wasn't a cute baby at all. And as I got older, the hair kind of filled out, but like I was not a cute you baby. You grew into your hair, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair came first. I think I think my hair developed like two months before I did. Yeah, so. well, I mean, from an evolutionary psychology perspective, what that would mean is that maybe you you and I as not the cutest babies didn't get as much attention mm. and affection and possibly even nutrition which explains why we have I'm, I'm an actor now like going for that maybe that's why we're doing this podcast yeah yeah for attention seeking, seeking attention seeking we didn't get oh because we were ugly babies thanks mom all right well that wraps up this yeah, episode thank you we've... talk to you next week okay so the thing about evolutionary psychology though it's it's basically it's like it's theoretical it's guesswork because okay. we don't really know for right. sure what happens. So what's fun is looking at experimental psychology where we can actually control the variables. So I want to tell you about a study that was conducted about 10 years ago with researchers Gary Sherman, Jonathan Haidt, who's going to come up again later mm-hmm. in a very different way, and James Cohen. And they conducted a study to test the theory that cuteness actually leads to caretaking behavior. Do you want to hear about this study? Yes. Great. Because <laughs> then I wouldn't yeah. really know where to go. <laughs> So here's how this works. They recruited participants to take part in this pretty horrible study where you had to sit in a room and look at pictures of either puppies and kittens, that's condition A, or dogs and cats in condition B. Okay. That's a horrible study? I was being sarcastic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a great day. (laughs) (laughs) What they wanted to find out is would these more adorable pictures, right? So the puppies and the kittens, would that lead to more carefulness? Mm -hmm. Would that lead to exhibiting these behaviors of tenderness? And one of my favorite things about this study is the way they operationalized tenderness is by having people play a game of operation. Oh, nice. Do you remember that game? Yeah, of course. Can you you walk us through how that... So basically operation is this naked guy on a a piece of cardboard and he's got all these little things in him like these little plastic (laughs) pieces of toys. This is the worst marketing No, no, no. And he's got a big red Now I want to know how the the person who came up with Operation This is the actual pitch. I'm reading the actual pitch in Milton Bradley. So, um... He, he's he's a, he's a fat white dude and he's got his hair parted in the middle. He's got a big bulbous nose. He looks like he might have drank too much. 
and he's got a big red nose that lights up. If you, with these little pair of tweezers that are metallic, if you reach in, you have to pull out like his funny bone, his, um, I don't know, his collarbone, probably not his collarbone or whatever, but like all these little fake things. So it's a naked man on cardboard with a red nose. He's made out of cardboard and he's on a, he's on a table, like on a gurney. And little children have to remove pieces yeah. of him. Yeah, you spin and it tells you what to, I think you spin... Yeah, you spin and it, and it lands on a part of the, the, the thing, like one of the things you have to take out. Then you have to get these little tweezers and you have to carefully, without touching, because his sides, the, the, the surrounding area is in the shape of whatever you're taking out, is metal as well. So if the metal on your tweezers touches the metal on the board, on the guy, then it lights up and you lose. You lose your turn. Do you remember the sound it makes? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that might be wrong, but but it scares the hell out of you. I know that. Yeah. And I've always been a, a real high-strung kid, so I I wasn't very good. Because at, you were an ugly baby. Because I was an ugly baby, it made me high-strung. My hands were shaking. I, I was. I, I. It was nuts. I, I never. So here's the question for you. Yeah. My sister was really good. If you looked at pictures of adorable puppies and kittens before playing Operation, mm-hmm. do you think you would play Operation better? No, I think I'd be all like tense. Well, so it turns out what what this research team found is that actually the people who looked at puppies and kittens, so that those are the cuter condition A, versus the ones that looked at dogs and cats, also cute but not as cute, they actually were better at operation. So Wait, which ones were better? The the ones who saw the cuter images were better. Which makes sense, right? Because... From an evolutionary perspective, you want to be careful around little things. Yeah, right? but, you want but, to hold a baby carefully. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're not, you know, I don't know, poking it in the eye or whatever. I don't hold a lot of babies, so I don't, I don't actually, I don't know what happens. You know, to be honest, I've but, poked a baby in the eye when I've been holding it. But you want to be so really, I hold really it by careful. The head, like a like a like an eight ball, like a like a bowling ball. That's how I hold you don't want to pick it up by the head, from what I understand. Right, right. Or if you did, you'd want to do it very carefully. So the interpretation of this finding is that something called infantile physical morphology and that's a little bit of what you were trying to get at before (laughs) isn't that cute (laughs) infantile physical morphology sounds like something you'd be tried for it sounds like something (laughs) sir you're accused of infantile physiology not guilty your honor Um, i'm gonna break it down for you okay so infantile physical morphology you started to get at it before it's basically what is the morphology morph morph what does that Mm -hmm. make you think of morph and mindy the know. old TV show with Robin Williams. Or how about Williams. like um, transmorphing? Transmorphing like uh, like I can change shape. Yep, or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They morphed. Yeah. Didn't they? So, <laughs> so, so morphology refers to like shape. Okay. What do things look like? <laughs> so what they're called the Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah, they morphed. Didn't yeah, they but morph? it's morphin, not morphing. <laughs> Did some guy from Texas write that? Morphin Power Rangers, damn. I think it was meant to be more colloquial. Like, they're not morphing. They're morphing. It's happening faster. (laughs) I don't understand. All right, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Morphin Power Rangers. So that's that's the morphology part, and there's infantile, baby-like. So basically, the theory is that infantile physical morphology, so we're talking about big eyes. All right, we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) rounded features. You know, we're talking about um, little chins. <laughs> sounds so creepy. It sounds so creepy. <laughs> but it, Big eyes, little chins. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are we talking about? <laughs> okay, think about our dog. We have a dog named Ripley. Yes. Well, actually, we have... We have let's talk dog. about the cuter dog. <laughs> oh, no. We have three animals. Which of the animals do you think is the cutest? Huckleberry. So we, Huckleberry. Huckleberry. What about Huckleberry's face? Think of her morphology. Oh, my God. Her little... Her... her 
She has these big honey eyes. Big eyes. Big. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She didn't have a chin. She has a little chin. She has a little chin. Oh yeah, she has this little. She licks a lot, y'all. So she has like she licks everybody. She loves to give kisses. So she always has a little dribble on her chin because she just loves to kiss. Oh, she's so. so and, and then she's got like um, little hands, like little little paws. Mm-hmm. And her ears. Describe her oh, ears. Oh my god, her ears are soft and they're big. They're like uh, they they're very expressive. They can go up. One can go down. They both go up. They, they flop both go down. Sometimes. They flop. They she can wear them backwards like a baseball cap. Um, yeah, they're pretty amazing. Okay. So she has puppy-like morphology, right? So when you yeah. know, when you look at her... Oh, so you know she, she does she that wants? to herself. Yes. So what... Well, no, it's not... I thought you were talking about the person <laughs> who's experiencing... Like, if I'm looking at a baby, I become a baby. Uh, well, so far we haven't found that in any research. No, no, but I, that's what it sounds like. Transfer. No, no, what I'm saying... Is, no, no, you don't change. morph into... Yeah, that's what I thought. Because the, the morphology... Turn, they, don't, they don't turn into... No, it's just shape. We're talking about shape. Gotcha. She's puppy-shaped. She doesn't make herself puppy-shaped. But because she is puppy-shaped... It elicits this it cute, helps us, cuteness yeah, emotion yeah. in you, which then leads you to want to do what? When she's Rescue her from cute, the street. Yes. And then how about in a, in a less extreme situation give like her yesterday? My food. Give her your food. Exactly. Yeah. So I, when I think about this, I think about <laughs> Huckleberry. I also think about you. I think about you occasionally weaponizing cuteness. I've been known to weaponize cuteness. Can you tell us a little bit about how you weaponize your cuteness? Well. Whether as an adult or as a child. Say, this is just hypothetical. I'm just throwing this out there. Say we're in a comic book store. Probably wouldn't happen, but say we are. Speaking. Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. And I see this um, special edition Wolverine that comes with a motorcycle where he's dressed as Patch from uh, uh, Madripoor. This is sounding less hypothetical. Well, I'm just being very specific to help the audience. I'm holding this and I look at you. Yeah. And maybe I, I like, like furrow my brow a little bit to make it look like I'm distressed. So and you maybe look a little I sadder. Look a little sadder, and, and I hold it with two hands, even though I can sure so carry it with one. So you're holding it with two hands so that it looks large. And it you looks start larger, to look and I look smaller. And then so it's I look almost at like you. you're morphing. Morphing, yeah, I'm morphing. You're like a mighty morphing. I'm a transform morpher, and I become like this this smaller. And I'm, I'm look, I bring it to you, and I'm like, look what I found. Like, so what happens to your voice? What are you doing with your oh, voice there? Oh, it gets a little higher. Because I don't like, hear you going, look what I found. No, I go, look what I found. And what happens to your eyes? They get bigger. They get much bigger. Yeah, and they, they get wider in my little brow And, and your big shoulders. But my, you my, they drop. <laughs> they, they, they drop. So we do this to each other, right? So yeah. we So we... Cuteness makes us more tender, more soft-hearted, more willing to yeah. acquiesce, oh, to, yeah. to give food. And we know in some ways through operant conditioning, which we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah, but you make it sound like I'm manipulating you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to be clear. Just to be clear. Yeah. So, but here is where the psychological plot thickens. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. We don't have sound effects yet, yeah. <laughs> so, here's the interesting thing about cuteness. And I think you've experienced this, so I'm excited to talk about this. Sometimes, cuteness makes you tender. It makes you willing to give away, you know, that last bite of food that you were going to eat, but instead you give it to Huckleberry yeah. or, or me, but usually Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it triggers what... A psychologist named Oriana Argon has called cute aggression. Do you know what I'm talking about here? I think if we refer to mice and men, uh, Lenny. Yeah. Wow, that's very that's literary, literary yeah, reference. Yeah, because doesn't he like, he loves it so much. And he actually ends up killing Curly's wife too. He loves her so much. They break, the, he breaks their necks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How about more day to day? Where have you felt cute aggression? The other day I was holding a rabbit and I broke its neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do I day to day anytime you see like like uh, 
uh, well, this 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 morning when we were lying on the couch and uh, Huckleberry came up and she lied between us <laughs> and she was just like a little little thing and I grabbed her and I was like, Argh! you know, like Argh. yeah, so something like that. Yeah, yeah. So so that's weird, right? Because if on the one hand, cuteness should elicit yeah. tenderness and carefulness. Yeah, it makes you angry. Not angry, but like. Because you're not mad, but you're like, you exist. I want to eat you. I want to put you in my. I want to eat you. That's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So all over the world, this happens where when not everyone, but a large percentage of the population, when they feel extreme cuteness, like overload, like almost like cuteness overload, it seems to elicit something akin to aggression. So with your consent, I would like to right now do a little version of the type of research that psychologists do to monitor cute aggression. Sure. How cute do you need me to be? Uh, No, I don't want you to get cute. I'm just going to show you some images of cute things. Hit it. I'm also going to monitor your heart rate. What is that you're holding? A heart rate monitor. All right. All right. So what is your current heart rate? Um, 87. Okay. We're on 87, 88. All right, let's start here. All right, so I'm just going to ask you, look at these pictures. <laughs> okay, and then just flip through them. Um, maybe just, just tell us a little bit. <clears throat> this what is, is what uh, baby dachshund, dachshund, and it's got blue eyes, and it's spotted, and it's literally sitting in this person's hands, uh, in both hands. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm seeing your heart rate went from 88, now you're at <laughs> over 100. And it's got its head tilted, and the ears are bigger than the face. Uh, oh my god, this is uh, an Australian puppy buried in the sand. Oh my god. And he's got blue eyes, he's looking up at the camera, his ears are all, his or her, their ears are all lopsided. And it's on the beach somewhere, probably I would reckon all Australia. Right. Keep flipping and let me know if that <gasps> cute aggression okay. kind of hits. Uh, let's, let us know what that feels like. <laughs> this is a little, this is a little baby pig, <laughs> and a little tiny, um, uh, picnic basket, picnic bench, eating, <laughs> eating a uh, an ice cream as big as him. Oh my so you're god! One hundred and ten. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's cute. It's got it's y'all. It's all over its face, and um, and it's got its eyes closed. <laughs> think that oh my god this is a little pig going under a bed and you can't see its body you just see its little tail and its little legs he's splooting um which means he's lying flat on his stomach and his legs are kicking out and all you see is his little tail his little butt oh my god and then this is a a little billy goat and a dog lying together they're best friends oh my god this is this is a dog lying with his little porcupine friend they're both in their backs it's a hedgehog. Basically. A hedgehog. I'm sorry. And they're both on their backs, and they're both looking up at the camera as if they're both gonna hit the sack for the night. The, I don't know what this is. A baby rabbit. Yeah. Are you tiny kidding? Baby rabbit. Um. It wow, that is a massive spiking. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything uh, that y'all have ever seen on this planet. It looks like something from Star Wars. It's pretty amazing. Uh, oh my lord. Okay. All right, y'all. I'm looking at a brown rabbit bunny in one hand asleep. My God, I don't even know what to say about that. Okay, so we saw some spikes Spikes. in your heart rate for sure. It looked like the images that you were reacting to with the most cuteness, even before you started talking about it, you went from a low of uh, about 85 Mm -hmm. uh, beats per minute and uh, all the way at a high of 110. Did you experience any cute aggression? 
Yeah, the the bunny in the hand. Like I, I literally wanted to like squeeze it, and then the dog and the goat sleeping together. Yeah. If I was in that room, I would have tackled them. I felt like I wanted to like, oh my god, like squeeze, we're like get them both. Squeezing. We're talking yeah. about strangling. We're yeah. talking about. Blind. I didn't say strangle. You said strangle. I didn't say strangle. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one with a little pig. I wanted to bite. You wanted to bite that pig. Yeah. Even though you don't eat pig. I'm pig. a vegetarian, but I want, I didn't say I wanted to eat the pig. I wanted to bite the, the little... Okay, little so these are, again, not uncommon reactions, but, you know, strange. Yeah. So why do you think you're reacting in that way? <sighs> you know, seeing the little rabbit, I, I, I couldn't get close enough to it. So why, where do you think the aggression comes from? It's like, if, if you feel frustrated, you can't get close enough? I guess because I'm frustrated because I can't put it into words, so I feel frustrated now. But like in the moment, I was just like, oh my God. Okay, so so let's take context out. You're just seeing a person. Yeah. And they're just sitting there and their hands are balled up into fists. Their teeth are gritted. Mm-hmm. Their their face is flushed. Their yeah. heart rate is spiking. Live in Manhattan. I see it all the time. <laughs> Maybe they're you're seeing their teeth. Mm-hmm. You're seeing them make like grunt, grunting faces. Yeah. Well, how would you describe that? Mm, they have to see a baby bunny. <laughs> yeah. They look insane. They look insane. It's aggressive. It's yeah. aggressive, right? Yeah. It's aggressive. So, so psychologists have a word for this because we have a word for everything, yeah, which you know do. you find charming. This one, remember we talked about morphology more before? Yeah, instead so, of just saying changing. Yeah. <laughs> this one's called dimorphous expression. Dimorphous expression. As opposed to monomorphous expression. Meaning two-face. Yep. So dimorphous, two-face, mm-hmm. two expressions. Monomorphous, just one. one. Monomorphous, I'm happy and I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. They go together. The emotion matches the expression, right? Oh, I'm sad and I'm crying. Yeah. Dimorphous, I feel cuteness and I want to strangle it. So would that also count for like when I'm when people are so happy they start crying? Perfect. Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm happy I cry. Dimorphous expression. Yes, dimorphous expression. And that's super interesting. So again, Oriana Argon, the psychologist that I mentioned before, this is her area of expertise really is looking at what is this dimorphous expression thing and why do we humans do it? On so. a side note, she sounds like a villain. Ariana Argon. Ariana Argon. Yeah. What, what about that sounds villainous Well, it's, it's uh, Other than an that alliteration. Voice, what if you say like, Ariana Argon? No, it doesn't sound... It's an alliteration. Lex Luthor, Ariana Argon. So she has some theories around this mm-hmm. based on her research. Before I share with you what Ariana Argon thinks, what do you think? What is going on? Why do we have dimorphous expressions? I think it might lead to some kind of sensory overload. You see something and it goes from being cute to going beyond expression, like going beyond what you can explain is cute. It's like a meltdown. Like a meltdown, yeah. Like like if you plug too many things into a circuit or something like that and it just it explodes and nothing else it can do. It can't relay that current. So you think it's you don't think it's a feature, you think it's a bug? I don't know. I, 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 I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad. I mean I'm sure if it's happening to us as uh, to everyone you're saying, or most not people? Not everyone. Okay, so, so most people, yeah. then it's not a bug. more than 50%, it seems. I would say it, it does something to um, benefit us in some way. I don't know what. <laughs> you're really close. You're really close. Before I share with you what kind of the leading theory is mm-hmm. to explain these dimorphous expressions, I want to give you an overview of another creative study that looked at dimorphous expressions. This one was done by psychologists Barbara Fredrickson, mm-hmm. University of Michigan, and Robert Levinson, University of California, Berkeley. So they recruited participants to watch a short film clip that I'm going to show you in a moment. And so they monitored people's facial expressions and heart rate as they watched a clip from the movie Steel Magnolias. I'd like you to open that clip now. We're going to have you watch at least a part of it. And I'm going to monitor your heart rate. I'm going to watch your facial expressions. Drum says you never left her side for a second. No. 
couldn't leave my Shelby. I just sat there and kept on pushing the way I always have where Shelby was concerned. I was hoping she'd sit up and argue with me. And finally we realized there was no hope. We turned off the machines. Drum left, he couldn't take it. Jackson left. I find it amusing. Men are supposed to be made out of steel or something. I just sat there. I just held Shelby's hand. How are you feeling? Uh, good, good. Um, yeah, I remember that. I, I, I've actually seen the play too. And, uh, yeah. So, so how did you feel watching a little bit of that clip? Well, um, it was Sally Field, so I was kind of prepped. I was like, okay, this is Sally Field about to do her Still Magnolias thing. Because I know that... Uh, I was okay until I saw the people's reactions. And when I heard her say that um, her husband left uh, when it happened. Because men are supposed to be made of steel. Men are supposed to be strong and everything. And she couldn't... Everything of my dad and like the few times I ever saw him cry and the importance it had importance it had on my life and importance it had on my upbringing. Yeah, it was really sad. I had no connection to the what they were talking about because I hadn't seen the movie. Like I didn't have any context. I'm just watching the small clip. So obviously I know that this is a scene after Julie Roberts. Oh, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. After something bad happens to somebody. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> That's really so you save that one. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> um, so anyway, available on iTunes so, so here and Dango now and Voodoo. Um, do you, did you feel it was sad? Did oh. you feel some sadness when I saw the expression of the other women when she was talking? Yeah. Or when, when, <clears throat> so it turns yeah. out most normal humans find this clip sad, mm-hmm. but about actually more than fifty percent of them, a little more than fifty percent of them, did something really interesting, which you did oh. right before I said pause. Yeah. It also correlated with a spike in your heart rate, which is super interesting. Do you know what you did on your face? What did you do with your face? You know, I, the way eyes work, I can't see my face. <laughs> what do you What do you think? What do you think your facial expression was? Give show me the, the facial expression you think you had. That's that's no facial. That looks. Well, I mean, I'm watching intently. <laughs> that's not my no facial. I'm not Forrest Gump. I that was just looking at like I was like. Taking it all in. So Brian's showing me a, just like a neutral a really face. kind of contemplative, yeah, neutral face. No, what? You so your face did look sad. Your eyebrows went up, but oh, then I feel, like I, I feel like I'm being accused of something. <laughs> but then you did something that over fifty percent of other people did watching this clip, which is you smiled. You showed me a dimorphous oh. facial expression. Oh, why? Why did you smile when you were watching this thing about people dying? Oh, spoiler alert! Well, now you ruined it. <laughs> There's some death involved. I'll just say that. Why do you think you had that dimorphous expression? Are you a psychopath? <laughs> no. I, I, was it before or after you said turn it off? It was before. Oh. Um... It turns out that the people who smiled, they were the people <laughs> that actually recovered significantly faster from a cardiovascular perspective because they're monitoring their heart rate mm-hmm. as they were watching this film and that feeling of sadness. I only gave you a few seconds of it, but if you watch the whole clip, it gets sadder. And the people who smiled at some point, even if they didn't realize... No, don't watch it right oh. now. Okay. 
<laughs> we could do it later for fun if that's your idea of a good time. <laughs> so, the people who smiled, they were able to get back to an emotional baseline quicker than the people who didn't smile. And what does that mean? Like, what is that? That means I'm, I'm okay. I'm yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you going back to now. Cuteness aggression. Oriana Argon. <laughs> Here's a quote from her research. Right. So in another study, they showed people photos of adorable babies. Mm-hmm. And actually, less adorable babies. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like to be the parents in that one? <laughs> um, they might have found our photos from when we were children. So. <laughs> Condition B. So, so mom here's... put me in a sports coat for two years as I was. I wouldn't. I didn't even have fully developed arms, and I was in a sports coat. For <laughs> That's some why you weren't a cute baby uh, because you did had underdeveloped. Mom dressed arms. me like That's Richard Dawson from Family Feud. <laughs> that is so many Family Feuds ago. All right. So he was one of my favorite hosts. Though. He's he the best. Great. He's so classy. Yeah. All right. So here's what Argon writes. She says, when people see characteristics such as large, wide-set eyes, round cheeks, and small chins, known <laughs> as baby schema, they get the impulse to approach and provide protection and care. That's what we talked about before okay. right, with operation. Yet, our observations yield distinctly different responses to cute stimuli, including playful growling, squeezing, biting, and pinching. <laughs> So it seems like the people who had that cute aggression, similar to the people who smiled when they were feeling sad, it actually helped to stabilize overwhelming feelings. So kind of like you were talking before about that cuteness overload where you're like, I'm almost like melting down. Yeah. You need, it's almost like a release valve. Yeah. And so the people who feel dimorphous expressions seem to be better able to regulate expression or emotions in general. Right. So it's almost like if we experience too much of that cuteness sensation, we would become these like weak, wobbly beings. But I can see that. (laughs) 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 Cute baby. Okay, so we've solved a mystery, which is really your dream. To, is to be a professional mystery solver. Absolutely. So we have solved the mystery. I think they're of... called detectives. <laughs> a professional mystery solver so person who doesn't. We've detected the explanation for acute aggression. At least that's the leading theory. Okay. For all we know, maybe it's more there... Freudian and we have like a death self-destruction urge. And maybe that's a thing too. That we're all secretly want to kill and maim everything. But here's my thing. We generally don't. Yeah. So I'm well, Is there an opposing with... idea? An opposing theory that offsets this one somehow one of the other explanations for it was that there's a difference between emotion and expression and when you look at emotion that's what someone's feeling and when you look at expression so how i'm showing you how i'm feeling that's kind of like what the urge is what is the person supposed to be doing so for example if i'm happy but i'm crying that's something called a consummatory orientation and the idea there is that your body's almost like telling you to slow down or pause. And let's say that maybe I'm happy, but I'm yeah. also showing aggression. But let's say I, I just beat you in Street Fighter really bad. And <laughs> just hypothetically, again, just hypothetically. Yeah, and I beat you really yeah. bad, at which point I should feel really happy, right? I should just be calm and happy and laid back. But maybe I'm like pumping my fist in the air yeah. and I'm gritting my teeth. And that's showing also kind of signs of anger, even though I'm happy. That would be called... And delusion. Keep going. Not if you... <laughs> It happens again and again. And again. I'm actually smiling and crying right now because she does get <laughs> street fighter. So that right. would be, so we talked about consummatory orientation. What I'm describing now would be called appetitive orientation. And what that refers to is actually maybe I'm feeling happy, but my body wants me to take action. So it's almost like one other explanation of dimorphous expression is, let's say cute aggression. 
I'm feeling the urge for like tenderness, but I also have this desire to act, to do something. So maybe that's about like playing. Maybe that's about dropping everything I'm doing and making sure I'm paying attention to this cute thing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if I'm watching a a movie or as often happens, a commercial and I love it and it's so wonderful, but it also makes me cry. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's also my body kind of making me pause and reflect and learn from that versus just move on and do something about it. Right. So that's another explanation. Before we move on from cuteness, I will also say that it seems that cuteness is on the rise around the world in products, in media consumption, particularly coming out of East Asia and Japan, where kawaii is actually like there's a whole industry around selling cuteness. It's a core aspect of Japanese culture and fashion. There's even something I came across called neotenic design. Hmm. Neotenic design refers to having juvenile features in adulthood. Okay, I'll just give you an example from okay. this one designer named Hiram Shin. Who, and you're saying this is this is a, a an actual phenomenon that's that's happening right now, or it's always happened? No, it's we're actually seeing a rise more and more of a spike in okay. cuteness and demand for cuteness all around the world. But this particular thing about juvenile features in adult people that seems to be actually on the rise in the design world. So for a long time, modern when I say modern design, what do you picture? What shapes do you picture? Squares, squares, triangles. exactly. So this neotenic design if you can come around here i'll show you some images of it okay how would you describe those appliances uh round uh oval circular how would you feel if i told you that this toaster when the crumb tray is too full it sneezes that's pretty cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay i get you and it looks like an eye it looks like a mouth um the toaster actually looks like Oh, right, One like eye, this maybe little that, knob that little thing is like winking. A... Yeah, the, the, the lever's winking, and when the, the crumb trays the mouth. Yeah, that's cute. Actually, the designer that I mentioned, Hiram Shim, her thinking was, if our appliances are cuter, we'll take better care of them. Really? Yeah, so that, that's example, That's really what she's going for, not because it's just like cute cells, it's... Well, so on the one hand, cute cells. On the other hand, could it be that we can actually take advantage of cuteness, but not to such an extent that we want to squeeze or destroy these things, yeah. but to... You know how we name things? Like we, we, we personify everything. We personify. Like, for example, what is the name of our car? Jacques. Why do we name our car Jacques? Um, because we make him part of our family. <laughs> he's like, he's a new part of our, our, our Christmas tree has a name. Right. Um, That's his name's weird. Herbie. Right? Yeah. And we, we, we check his water all so, the time. And right. Then, yeah. And so, so when like, let's just even staying with Jacques for a little while, because mm-hmm. I kind of don't want to think about what's going to happen to Herbie, given that <laughs> getting Sorry, to Herbie. that time of year where... Yeah. I don't know how much longer Herbie's going to be with us. But Jacques, when we don't say like, hey, did you get the car cleaned? We say like, hey, Jacques is looking a little dirty. Yeah. Or like, oh, Jacques got a bath. Jacques looks yeah, great. Yeah, right? we even talked to him. Also, yeah, I will say our car is adorable. Yeah. Why is our car adorable? Talk about our car's morphology, physiological morphology. Well, the, the car, I didn't know it was that adorable until your mom looked at it the other day and was like, Oh, what happened to your car? Why is it so small? It's like, <laughs> but it's it's a Nissan Juke, and we wanted something that was going to fit our family nice and comfortably. Uh, our family meaning us, <laughs> our two dogs, and the cat. And we, we wanted something that was sporty, and we wanted something that was also kind of an SUV, but we ended up picking this thing because it looked like it had a face. <laughs> the Juke was like, we saw, it's not the most powerful car in the world, but we saw it, and we were like, Oh my God, like it looks like it's looking and smiling at us. Yeah, it's got a so, little smile, right? Yeah. It's got big eyes. Yeah. It's, it's bubbly. Yeah. We have a cute car. We have a cute car. And that cuteness of the car probably makes us Take care treat of it better, it better yeah. right? Like, so when you sometimes talk about getting a different car, yeah. I'm like, oh, but Jacques, how could you, yeah. how could you do that to Jacques? So what's, what's your, what's your thinking around this? Why, 
and whether related to caretaking or not, why do you think cuteness is on the rise? Why are, why are we actually saying, you know what, I don't want that angular furniture anymore. Uh, I want things that are round and bubbly and... Um, I would say in in the last, like, I don't know, a uh, couple of decades, we've been more into recycling and taking care of the planet, taking care of things. Um, perhaps not like in, in the 80s where something was old, we'd trash it, throw it away, get a whole new thing. Whereas now we're even talking about recycling water bottles and um, keeping plastics away and like maintaining things so they have a longer uh, uh, lifespan and uh, really better for the point. environment, better for family better economically like if you take care of something it's a lot more less expensive than buying something new and starting from scratch again i don't know one person who doesn't have a name for one of their inanimate objects you know like they're is that uh, true yeah like you don't that. know one person who doesn't everyone, everyone you know. i know has a has a, a name for an inanimate object i have a name for some of my sneakers um Can, give me the names of two different pairs of sneakers you have uh chuck one and chuck two <laughs> Is that a left and a right? Or? No, no, no. It's a pair of sneakers. I'm not psycho. I don't name I each foot. I think that's so interesting what you're saying. So it's almost like we need to be uh, taking better care of things so we make mm, them cuter. Yeah. Even the movies that are coming out right now, even things that have been around for a long time like Lorax and everything, uh, we learn that there are cute things in the forest so we don't cut them down. So we're teaching kids at a young age that... Uh, and and I, I'm not saying it's liberal or conservative or any of that stuff. I'm just saying like uh, as a basic... Uh, scientific principle we need trees to survive we need trees and our environment to live so and taking better care of the ocean so we're making uh we're personifying fish in the ocean and finding nemo and making them cute and giving them personalities and giving them life lorax we're putting um mythical creatures in the woods in the forests and that is going to enable a whole generation that come after us to take care of our trees and our oceans and stuff like that so I'm, I'm I'm having a flashback to that toaster movie, that little toaster. I never saw that. The Brave Little oh, Toaster. I can't it, even but that's talk a book. About it. I think that's I, I think Brave I, Little Toaster. But it was also a movie, and I, I put it in some deep dark storage where I can't think about it because I start I start crying because I'm so sad about that toaster. <laughs> so it, here's another theory that I have, mm-hmm. which is maybe you know going back to that like modern house. You walk into a modern house. How do you feel? Uh, what's a modern house? <laughs> like angular. Everything's clean. Everything's like. Well, not clean. I mean, every every house should probably be clean. <laughs> Yeah, you're making it seem like our house. <laughs> but just like straight lines and, you know, white, gray, black. Like um, mechanical, digital kind of stuff? Yeah, mechanical, digital, right? That things that, Those yeah. are more serious. They're more yeah. austere. So I wonder if we're at a time now where we're feeling a little disconnected hmm. and we're feeling more of a need for those like warm, soft emotions sure. that we're not having as much of because yeah. we're living at a time where... You know, we're busy. We are separated by screens. And so there's more of this... Separated like, by ideas and political, you know, like affiliations now, especially. What if we could bring cuteness into politics? How might that look? <laughs> um, right now, I don't think there's a space for it. But I think down the road, I don't know what that would look like. I think with more supportive... And this is not what I'm saying. Like, I'm not like, you know, kumbaya. But I think in the future... Um, more supportive ads for one another, maybe even candidates supporting other candidates' ideas, as opposed to like expressing what their what their all the negative stuff is. Maybe opposite political candidates kissing opposite politically oriented babies. Okay, that, <laughs> or, ooh, that's a thing. How about um, you know how there were the Muppets, and yeah. then there were the baby Muppets. Yeah. What if there were Muppet like, babies? Muppet babies. Sorry. <laughs> what if there were like political candidate babies? 
you know, and like you actually. I think stuff. we already. We <laughs> 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 were. Um... Yeah, or, or maybe we're more likely to listen to them if they were cartoon versions of, like, opposing ideas. So say, I'm a Democrat and I'm, I I want to listen to Republicans' ideas. Maybe they're in a cartoon form of some kind. Like a really cute Republican. Yeah, and, and, and like a, a really cute version of who they are. So that way I'm able to, like, sit down and actually listen to the message as opposed to going, God, I want to punch that guy in the face. You know, and the same can be said for... Uh, Republicans listening to Democrats and, and and they're thinking like I really want to hear what this person's ideas are but I can't because I just want to strangle that person right now because it's just they, they can't look. be too cute because then you go back to wanting to strangle them. right right because then it does a full circle I see what you're saying so where else do you think cuteness could be actionable knowing that there's something about cuteness that makes us want to be more tender more caring more empathetic I can tell you where they couldn't hurt is if you watch those ASPCA <laughs> commercials instead of showing me the dog that's been hit by a car and that's dying and if I don't want to adopt it it's going to die maybe showing me like a more tender version of those commercials you know which is more likely to get me down to the to the ASPCA to adopt um I think like you know the spend all your time are you still using that yeah and they see the dogs in the commercials at night and you're just like geez I can't I can't even watch it I'm like I can't watch this there's nothing I can do from right here but I'd be more likely to donate if I saw the cuteness of it and see like people playing with their dog and be like, oh, I want to help that. I want to help be there. I want to take care of that. I also think that could be said for anything where people need our uh, attention and our funds and anything like that. I think instead of showing us the, the negative light, which I think we've seen and we know about, which pushes a lot of people away because they're like, well, nothing I can do now. What am I going to do from right here? Maybe make it so that it's a little more attainable by, uh, by a, a reaching into something that we can all share cute or, yeah. or something that we yeah. all experience whether we're alone and we're like, I don't want anybody to see me think of this thing is cute, you know, but whatever, <laughs> like, you know? So, yeah. So maybe this is a really interesting phenomenon. Maybe we're going to be living in a cuter, more caring world. I already am. Look at this woman over here across from me. Look at this guy. One qu- I have one question for yes. you before we wrap things yep. up. Yeah. As you know, I am a true crime fanatic and I brought up of mice and men before. Yeah. Is this possible that this phenomenon happens to Cute aggression? Cuteness aggression mm-hmm. happens to people who commit crime. Like, can someone feel so much cute aggression that they actually do strangle someone? Do harm to a child or do harm to someone uh, someone else, like, like someone who's... Look, what the research shows is that we express the desire to bite or we growl and we clench our fists, but we don't actually commit the acts of aggression <laughs> it would be interesting to see it in a in a legal defense that would be actually really fascinating for someone to be like i'm sorry it was the cuteness aggression but it's an expression that is balanced out by the need to care and be tender okay so i wouldn't buy it personally i'm not making excuses that's not what i'm doing at all it sounds like you're saying i'm already setting up a defense <laughs> what i'm doing is setting up a defense and, and i need your the help thing, with the, the release valve <laughs> is the aggression for the cuteness. But it's like when you're feeling intense aggression, it's not like the release valve is cuteness. <laughs> when you're feeling intense no. cuteness, no. there's a little bit of aggression that gets peppered in to balance you out. But there's also that you have to close that valve to come back. But what if that valve is left open and it's just all aggression? It just becomes aggression. Is this how you want to end this episode? No, I'm asking. This is this is I, I'm this is this is why you're here and and People may have this this uh, this question sitting in their minds in their dark basements, <laughs> planning out something. They might want to know if. Um, to my knowledge, it's never been used as a legal defense, mm-hmm. and there is no evidence that people go so extreme in the state right. of cute aggression where they physically harm someone 
irreparably. Oof. Okay. That's that even worse than my question. Forget I forget I brought it up. I no, but this has been fascinating. I, I had no idea like this is where all these emotions are coming from. But what are, what are your takeaways? Three takeaways. My takeaways are first of all, is it going to work in court? Uh, that's the first one. <laughs> Um, my second takeaway is why I feel the way I feel. How does that help you? Well, it helps me understand when I'm being manipulated. <laughs> helps me know that when Huck puts her ears back and she knows when she does this, she gets food. And I also think I understand the whole idea of cuteness aggression. It doesn't frustrate me having to think about or explain those feelings. I know that it's there as a release valve. I, I love that that image of it being like, yeah. Okay, I'm good. For me, what and I... And emotion what I, regulation, that's what I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but so for me, what I like about that is I feel like when I experienced dimorphous expressions before reading up on it more, I thought it would, I couldn't like enjoy the, the feelings because mm. I'd be like, why am I crying? Or why Yeah. Why yeah. am I feeling this weird urge to bite you? And <laughs> I think what's fun about this research is that it shows that emotions are a lot more complex than we usually think. Yeah when we think of like emoji or emoticons they're usually monomorphous so to really think of ourselves as these like complex emotional beings and to enjoy the aggression and enjoy the cuteness and enjoy the happiness and enjoy the tears at the same time just it feels like a, a more fun way to be human absolutely i love the dimorphous expression thing i mean there's a there's a thing that i do every time someone falls in front of me whether they be whether it be like really really like uh, <laughs> uh, horrible it's true i have this thing that if i see someone fall my first instinct is to laugh. And it's not because I think that's funny. It's not because, well, I mean, I do think it's funny, but it's not because I think I don't care if they're hurt or not because my first instinct is to I've go over there and on help the them. <laughs> and it's terrible. And because... I will testify that your first reaction is not to go over and help. No, it is. It is. I run over there, but imagine you, you just had this terrible fall in, on the sidewalk. You're sitting there and your, your head's busted open and someone comes over to you and is like, <laughs> do you need any help? <laughs> You know, and it's, it's, it's just a nervous thing. So what the research would indicate is that when you laugh at someone falling, but you still feel fear and anxiety for them, the laughter is balancing you out. So you're yes. actually better able to recover and help them. They just don't understand that. In the <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> next time someone falls and you're laughing at them, explain dimorphous expressions and then they'll be fine. That's great. And then, and then help them. And that wraps up our first episode. Let's, let's go out with our outro music. Ready? We don't have outro music yet. We do now. Ready? Yeah. A talk psych to me. Na 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 Talk psych to me. Na 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 I don't think we could take that. Why? Isn't that talk dirty to me? Shh. It is now.